Welcome to Tech Talk, y'all. Hi, and welcome to Tech Talk, y'all, season nine, episode 240. I'm Adam Walker. And I'm Clara Jennings. And uh, we're, we're Sunday's still out, so we got Clara. It's going to be epic. We've got some great articles for you today. This episode is brought to you by our company's uh, Together Letters and Edgewise. If you need to stay connected to the people in your life, go to togetherletters.com. If you need a podcast, I mean, come on, just go to edgewise.media. We'll hook you up over there. So uh, let's just dive in, Clara. There's let's so many it. articles to get through and some some crazy ones. So to start off, less crazy unless you rewind to the 1990s. And then this mm. is completely insane. So Micron's new 1.5 terabyte micro SD can record video for five years straight. That is Think about what you were doing five years ago. Do you want all of that recorded in one go? <laughs> Do you think you want it all in one spot? I I'm, don't. I'm, uh, I don't, I don't even, I don't know that I even want to have a conversation with myself from five years ago. Like I, I feel like I've evolved so well beyond that, that I, I need to let go of that person. So, uh, yeah. Um, what do you, Adam, what do you think the applications of this now? Because in reading the article, it said that it's in commercial use now, but it could very well roll out for yeah. personal use. What What yeah. do you think this is going to so, be used for? So I think, I think I've got a great use case for this okay. uh, and it's from a personal example. So at the front of my neighborhood recently, there was some work done where they had to dig up a huge area right at the entrance of the neighborhood. And then they put it all back and they they leveled it all out with dirt. And then the county came and put down sod. Okay. Now, right after the county came and put down sod, some stranger backed their truck up to the newly laid sod and stole all of the sod. I'm not kidding. They stole, I mean, a serious amount of sod. They just stole all of it. So now the county has come back and laid He's sod the sod again, which is great. But I think this is an interesting use case with batteries being what they are. And with micro SD cards having the storage they do, I think you could conceivably have a standalone video camera that records for months on end. Security. That's connected to nothing. And, and you just go pop out the SD card and then you've got it. Right? It's interesting um, to think about as somebody who's binged Law and Order with their father and like oh, everything is, oh, well, did they have uh, security cam footage? And they're like, it, it gets erased every three, three days. Like we just don't yeah, have a big enough right. SD card. Here yeah. we are. No now longer needed. Also, this reminds yeah. me of the trend on YouTube where people would take photos of themselves every day for a year or for five oh, years. Yeah. And I have a friend that did that for years and years and years. Yeah, I did a daily photo. So and this impressive. could be that. So interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Wearable muscles offer an impressive upper body endurance boost. So this is a exoskeleton wearable technology that these researchers and engineers are coming up with that to me kind of looks like a bulletproof vest. I know it's in the, the very infant stages. I think I'm such a design nerd. I want them yeah. to, to iterate on that one, but I think this yeah. is really cool on um, people who have limited strength, limited mobility. Um, they might have some sort of, you know, flexibility or strength issues. Um, this is cool stuff, but Adam, what do you think? I mean, I think it's great. I think there's lots of interesting applications for it. I feel like it could certainly improve like physical laborers productivity and ability mm. to do things. So I think there's like, like that whole, I mean, I, I don't think there's people that physically really dig ditches much anymore. It's probably all mechanical, but you know what I mean? Like if there's somebody doing that equivalent, this could certainly help with that. Um, I don't know if there's any kind of consumer application for this and probably should not be, 
at the moment, but I think it's really fascinating. So I, 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 I love the technology. I love where it's going. Uh, speaking of technology that I love, but I'm not so sure about this application, uh, sleep pods are coming for passengers flying economy. So, why are you not so sure I, about that? I'm all about this. So here's why. I, I love the concept of sleep pods that are on a plane. Yeah. But with this particular application, people in economy have access to the sleep pod for four hours at a time and you have to book your four hours at a time. I don't know. Like, it feels weird to me to be like, like if I'm, let's say I'm third in line for or second in line for a four hour stint in a sleep pod, like, so what they kick out the person that's already asleep in there and then they have to like turn over the whole thing and clean it. And then I get in there like that just feels very strange to me, I guess. I didn't so read I, that much of the article. I thought you would have it for the whole flight and it would be an application like a like a sleeper train bed that you yeah. reserve in. Yeah, in and your, that, that's that makes up. way more sense to me. I'm all for that. Like that makes perfect sense to me, mm. like a sleeper train kind of example. But this is not that. And because of that, I was like, that's sort of weird. I don't know how I a feel about A little bit it. too but I guess communal living. The yeah. only thing it, that I could see where yeah. it could maybe work is if it were a family traveling and like you wouldn't care. Mm. Like kids could yeah. sleep for an hour and then mom and, you know, that could work. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I yeah. props to airlines for, for trying stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. The US FCC commissioner wants Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores. Adam, first thoughts? So, man, I have so many thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I'll take. I'm a TikTok user. I really like TikTok. That that said, I do get the concern that it's a Chinese-owned company and that they might be harvesting way more than we realize. But at the same time, there there's a bit of an assumption that Apple's going to help control that to some degree, right? I, I would so, so. I don't. I I feel like maybe the FCC is going a little overboard here, but Probably. I honestly don't know. And it did make me consider deleting TikTok off my phone at least briefly. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about this? Well, I think there was an interesting quote from the article that is a little bit fear mongering, but at its core, okay. TikTok functions as a sophisticated surveillance tool that harvests extensive amounts of personal and sensitive data. But how is that yeah. any different from Facebook or Google or anything else? Like they know they're yeah. tracking our every move and my demographic and my clicks. So yeah. is it because it's Chinese owned and they're a foreign entity and it's fear? I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah. I think for somebody like me who doesn't really think a big picture about this data stuff, sometimes I've just always lived in a world where we have social media. Right. It's, it's refreshed, not refreshing maybe, but it's, it's a gut check for me when I, when I read articles like this and to say, Hey, I your stuff is going somewhere. Don't know where that is, but it's going somewhere. I mean, I think I think a gut check is exactly the right thing to describe this article. And, and I think it's probably worth reading for that reason alone for our audience. As you might have heard, Sanjay and I have a new project called Together Letters. So this episode is brought to you by Together Letters. The idea is simple. Everyone has email. No one wants to log in to another thing, but everyone wants to stay connected. Together Letters uses email to create a collaborative newsletter, keeping groups better connected. Sign up today at togetherletters.com. All right, next up, Tesla cuts 200 autopilot workers as California site closes. Um, I mean, they, listen, they've been promising full self-driving forever. Mm. This doesn't get them any closer to that. Um, uh, you know, I so don't know. the people I, I, that I, were I, I the people that were fired were hourly workers who are, um, who were kind of like 
not data entry people, but kind of, that's what I gleaned from the article. Mm, And in some senses, I'm like, this is sad because hourly workers typically aren't paid as well. Like this might've been a side thing for them. Um, but I mean, even further, you know, smelling a recession, the article also said that 10% of salary jobs within Tesla will be cut over the next three months Mm. and that that percentage could grow as the year goes on. So it might just Mm. be purely economical. It might not be that their goals have shifted. Maybe they have, but, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a data point on the progression of the technology and the way that the economy is going. Yeah. Newly developed algorithm is able to predict crime a week in advance with a week in advance with 90% accuracy. So this is out of Chicago, which is where I am, and it's geolocation based. Um, and mm-hmm. it's it, it it said that there are applications in other cities other than Chicago. Uh, yep. Adam, what do you think? This is uh, algorithm so I, world. I, I think this is in no way surprising. Like if if you could buy a farmer's almanac in the eighties that would give you the prediction of what rain is going to be like for in July, in the coming July, like this is very similar. Like human beings are very predictable mm-hmm. people. So there are certain people that behave certain ways in, in certain areas in certain times. Like that's not, it's not uncommon at all. Right. So I feel like it, it's totally normal to be able to predict something like this. The, the 90% accuracy is interesting to me that they were able to get down to that level of accuracy. And uh, a week in advance is interesting to me. Yes, but otherwise, and I think and think it it could be helpful from a from like a a law enforcement perspective to know where to focus. Though I think there's also a, a, an extensive danger there. I do too about how it's implemented. So absolutely, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, it does it does remind me a little bit of Minority Report, and yep, it also that's it, what it the could become said. a self fulfilling. Yeah, and it and it could become kind of a self fulfilling pro- prophecy if they're not careful too. Like if a computer program says, oh. There's going to be more crime in this neighborhood next week. And then, you know, there's more people there's in more that neighborhood looking there. for that crime. There could be more problems there because of that. So I think the 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 implementation of knowing this information is very scary to me and it needs to be dealt with very carefully. So um but otherwise, I think it's really, really interesting. Any, do you have any thoughts on it? I think that it could be the the technology is not anything that's surprising to me. I feel like algorithms, like crowd movement, like studying transit, you know where people are moving. Right. I think it would be an interesting application to go towards more like where can we focus our efforts on, you know, having social workers out if there's any sort of like prostitution happening right. or crime happening. Like, yep. can we get in on the front end of this rather than just saying, oh, put more police there? But can we... Yeah actually yeah. help if there is going to be an influx of crime based on this algorithm, like there's always going to be crime, then what are some of the predictive, if we can use that weak turnaround time to instead kind of counter the the, the adverse effects rather than just mm. incarcerate people, um, that would be, yeah, I like that. that would be a hopeful yeah. uh, outcome of this technology. Well, speaking of uh, technologies and, and hopeful, I guess, uh, avoiding USB-C on iPhones may get harder for Apple as Brazil considers a mandate. So we talked about this last week. We did. Europe's considering a mandate. Uh, the U.S. is asking for there to be a standardization. And now Brazil's getting involved. I mean, it, it, it's the dominoes are falling. Absolutely. There's going to have to be something universal. Uh, it's just a matter of And time. interestingly, so just, in this article, they said laptops are next. So it's not just going to be phones, um, which well, I think well, is mean, really interesting. I, That's pretty My Apple laptop right now is USB-C. So right. I feel pretty good about that. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. So yeah, it, it works for me. It works. And yeah, I think I, the Apple is the holdout 
That's what the article said as well. And though there is wireless technology, the ability to uh, wireless charging technology, that is the ability to roll that out in a meaningful way, potentially before this, these protocols come in place might, there might be a little bit of an awkward teenage period where you have lightning bolt and USB-C and wireless and people don't know what's next and what to buy. Um, But it seems to be the way it's rolling. So we better get on board. Smart contact lens prototype puts a micro LED display on top of the eye. Adam, what well, do you think? Is, and this is, well, I mean, we've talked about this before on the show. They're actually like physically testing it now. The CEO of the company actually put the contact lens in. He tried it one eye at a time for an hour at a time. And I think it was able to superimpose uh, some text and an image and uh, I think a compass, like a directional compass for him. So I mean, it, it's it's coming. I mean, the, the real question to me is not so much when are we going to have augmented reality or even virtual reality contact lenses. The question is going to be to what degree are contact lenses going to compete with eyeglasses and headsets? Yeah. Because that's that's where the competition is going to happen. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. So also, I think that's I'm, I'm, it. A, I'm yeah, it's, yeah. This is coming down the road, and I think it's cool to protect like. Um, as somebody who's close with somebody who has low vision, like this is very exciting for me to see how that could yeah. impact him. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's going to be competition in this space as the the technology gets smaller. It's going to be great. Speaking of uh, a space where there should not be competition, but is increasing competition, uh, how to survive the inevitable CD revival. So here's why I tag this. Because at my house this week, there arrived for my teenage daughter a record player and a record. And I get that like records have been on the rise for quite some time and there's like there's a warmness to the tone and, and there's just kind of this very uh, tangible sort of tactile thing about a record. I get that and I love that and, and I really appreciate it. I don't get the CD thing. Like the CD, CDs feel very like in, like transitional to me. Like they're not really that interesting at all. But apparently CD sales are on the rise for the first time in like 20 some odd years. And uh, and there's going to be a bit of a CD revival. So I guess really what I'm wondering, Clara, is uh, are you going to buy any CDs or do you so currently I, own any CDs? I, so I was going to ask you the same question. I do own some CDs. They live in my car's center console. They are audiobooks okay. that I bought from a thrift store for a dollar. And when nice. I was on road trips and I didn't have service, um, I didn't wasn't prepared enough to download offline playlists, I would just pop those okay. in and they were a great yeah. thing. But one of my early memories of CDs is when there would be a scratch and my friend's dad had the CD cleaner that you would go over and you'd wind it. I don't know if you ever yeah. saw those, but it would like buff out the one. scratches. No. I don't know if it, it was more of a placebo effect, but um, okay. yeah, I think, and I was going to make the parallel to records too. Like, I think there is a nostalgia for the collections and you have the CD yeah. towers and there was an alphabetized thing. And I mm-hmm. will say mm-hmm. um, from a musical perspective, I like the idea of honoring the artist's creative vision by listening to songs track by track by track by track. I, um, I agree with that. Where you can do that Spotify, on Spotify now. You can, yeah. right. So there, yeah. there's that's not all together, but it is, it is nostalgia. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to buy what they're going to buy. There's going to be eBay resellers. It's going to be a thing. Oh, big time. You know, what occurs to me is that I just realized, I, like in this conversation, I just remembered, I have a CD player in my car that I have never one time used. I don't even know if really? it works. Like I've never put a CD into it. 
I think it's never even a, occurred to me. I've had a CD in there for like two years, I think, since like a last road trip. But I'm going on a road trip tomorrow, so maybe I'll do it tomorrow. All right. All right. Okay. Amazon agrees to drop prime cancellation dark patterns in Europe. So Adam, explain to the audience, what's a dark pattern? Yeah. So this, I thought this was interesting and, and actually tagged it specifically to explain what a dark pattern is. So if you've ever gone to cancel a service and when you're going to click the button, you'll notice sometimes that the cancel button is the button that it looks like you should not click. So like usually a user experience is like you go in, you go to click something and you've got like the okay button is highlighted and obvious and like, like maybe a bright blue color and like the cancel button's like a gray color. So obviously you're supposed to click the bright blue button in that scenario because that's the button that takes you to the next step in the process, right? Well, dark UX does flips that on its head and it makes the keep my service button, the bright blue button and the cancel your service button, the grayed out button that's kind of hard to see and sort of weird. And you almost have to like look at it two or three times to understand what you're actually supposed to do next because it's counterintuitive. And so Amazon is now agreeing to drop this prime cancellation dark pattern in Europe because they've gotten tons of complaints. And frankly, it's really like they really shouldn't be doing this. Like it's sketchy. It's sketchy user it's so experience. It's sketchy design. Yeah. And another really there's there are some subscription based like definitely targeted to young women like Fabletics that are notorious for being impossible to get out of the mm -hmm. monthly subscription costs. And I've mm -hmm. fallen victim to them and then had to spend 25 30 minutes on a call where a very lovely well-meaning sales rep is trying to get yeah. me to stay and I have no intention of staying. So, and there are yeah. actually apps and services that unsubscribe to things for you and you pay for them. Yeah. So there's obviously yeah. a lot of friction yeah. here to get what you want and and stop that monthly cost. So kudos to Europe mm -hmm. for making it easier on everyone. Time for the weird and wacky segment. Abominable snowman. Oh, not an axe One of the TAs turned out to be a bot. All right, it's time for weird and wacky. We've got three articles for you today, and there there's some funky ones. I'm not gonna lie. And, yes. and honestly, you need to go hit the show notes and hit the links because there's like you need to see some of this. Yeah, stuff. you got to see to believe. You got to see to believe. I mean, for real. So so this first one. Now let me let me start by saying this. This is a concept. It's not been built. This is the concept. Inside giant flying luxury hotel that can stay in the air for years. So let me just paint a picture for you, dear listener. The, the concept here is a plane that is so large, it can hold thousands of people. I said, that, I think they said 5,000. It's like a cruise ship in the sky that's supposed to run on nuclear power and have like, and, and, I mean, and, and apparently people would come up to it by plane somehow and then get on the air cruise ship thing. And it, I mean, it would have all the amenities of a cruise ship. And my question is, why? This makes no sense to me at all. Like, why? I, I don't okay. I don't see it. Th these are the, my first it. thoughts. My first thoughts go okay. to fictional movies. So I see Wally. -E. You escape yeah. to a, a spaceship and you stay there forever. And it's on a self. Yeah. You're in an ecosystem. Okay. That's a way. Also, right. um, like Castle in the Sky, Studio Ghibli, mm. like, Oh my gosh, you're like living yeah. up there among the skies. Um, yeah, but okay. I, I'm going to preface this like the uh, the renderings are impressive and they're sci-fi like it could be a book. Um, as somebody who worked in, you know, design, build, engineering for a long time, the first architectural concept and then once it goes through eight, nine, ten 
value engineering props, like it's not going to look that way. So like, enjoy yeah. it for what it is and for the artistry. Yeah. But if yeah. this were to ever come to fruition for a reason that Adam and I both don't understand, then um, yeah. look, I think it would be a lot less uh, glass encased and uh, blimp-esque. Yeah. yeah. Also, I feel like uh, I feel like flying nuclear power plants seem just seem like a bad idea. As a yeah. general rule, I just it feels like that's a bad idea to me. So, you know. Engineer designs functional bicycle with back wheel split into two half wheels. This is another thing you got to really see to visualize. I can say that article, but basically you have the front of the bike looks like a normal bike with a round wheel. It's a full circle, whereas the back two wheels are two separate uh, rotation entities. Oh my gosh, my physics are uh, not helping me out here. And they're, they're only, you know, 180 degrees of tire on either side. And I, when I saw this, I'm like, did my dynamics professor come up with this shit? And now I have to like, like, this is giving me really bad flashbacks to my sitting in class, trying to figure stuff out of like, what force would this person need to do? And there's like different simple machines. So, I mean, it's a cool thing. It would probably fly in Amsterdam, super wacky. Like why? Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a tandem bike that's going to accommodate another passenger. So what's the point other than to be fun? There's no point other than to get people to take photos of you. That's it. That's the whole point is, is, you know, and I, I, I respect that. I really, it's It's fascinating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So last weird and wacky. And this one's, I mean, real weird. Mm. Uh, Die hard Nintendo fan reportedly forked out over $40,000 to ask for a new F zero game. So essentially what happened is there's this kind of super fan out there of Nintendo and he bought enough stock in order to be able to ask a question at the stockholders <laughs> meeting. Me. And his question was to the president of the company asking if they would recreate F-Zero. And I think he asked for like one or two other games. So like he spent that money only to ask that question, which is like, that's some serious dedication, people. Like, this reminds me amazing. of the people who spend a ton of money to go talk and do a steak lunch with Warren Buffett. It's like, how much will yeah. you spend for access for 20 minutes or for one sentence? Um, that, that he won't ever remember, right? That's the thing, right? It, it's just, it's wild to me. It is so wild, I, yeah. Yeah. I anyway, mean, so I, I, I mean, hey, I mean, I'll say this. I would imagine, I'm guessing that an investment in, in Nintendo is probably not a bad investment anyway. So, I mean, maybe it's yeah, a win-win. Like, you know, yeah. he got to ask the question and it's a good investment on top of right, that. Right, it's I don't his know, stock. But, I, yeah, yeah, it's it's his thing. But anyway, it is what it is. So, let him do his thing, I guess. Tech wreck, tech wreck. Time to get your tech wreck. Tech, 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 tech wreck. Chicky, chicky. Tech wreck. Time to get your tech wreck. All right, Clara, it is tech wreck time. And I am... I'm incredibly curious about what tech rec you have for us this week. And I'm going to have so many questions, but I have questions. So this was, uh, uh, brought up to me from a friend, um, named tank a couple nights ago, we were out for drinks and he said, Clara, have you ever heard of Swimply? I said, Swimply as in swimming. And he said, yeah, it's like Airbnbs for private pools. You can rent (laughs) out people's private pools for a set number of hours with a set number of people and there are rules and regulations, no pets, no children, no drinking, no parties, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's fascinating. It's, it's this sharing economy. It's just another, you know, iteration of it. And so for, you know, for the means of this podcast, I did 
a little bit of Googling here on Swimply. I did yeah. a little Swimply. Okay. I did a little swimming. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that this weekend being July 4th would not be an accurate representation of prices or availability. So I searched for next Saturday for, mm-hmm. let's see, um, four guests in Chicago. What can I get? And what's the hourly rate? So there right. is, and people love to name their stuff. You know how people like name their cabins, like the Oasis or something like that. Yeah. This is yeah. like the good pool and Max and on Melrose. Um, so there is a three acre backyard oasis that is open to up to 50 guests. Um, it is a bit out of the city, but it, it ranges from 76, 50 an hour to 85 an hour. Um, pets are not allowed, but it's children and infant friendly. There's a restroom available and, um, yeah, they have it's eighty five dollars okay. per hour for up to five guests. So you, if you okay. are kind of in an island of no pools and yeah. you don't want to join Need a public a pool. pool, then here you are. That's Swimply. I, so I, I have not I, used I, it. I did, a, I did a little search for Atlanta, and I mean, there's like some nice like pools for you know fifty dollars an hour, forty eight an hour, sixty an hour. There's, the highest I'm seeing is a hundred an hour. Um, so interestingly enough, I had a conversation with some friends of ours that had talked about uh, doing this. But for a hot tub during the winter, and and my first thought was like that feels really gross. Like I like I feel like a hot tub is like a like I don't know. It just doesn't. It feels it feels like creeper if, vibe to if me. If it gives you any consolation, hot tubs are like the most chlorinated bodies of water that you can put in uh, your backyard because that's they're fair. disgusting. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the same thing could be said, Adam, is like if you have a rental property and you're like, you yeah. can use the hot tub, like who knows what grossies are yeah. going to come into your I, house. I know. But I, that's I, the I, risky run. Yeah, it, it's just, it seems so weird. But the, the pool seems less weird to me, I guess, is what I was trying to say. So, it's so like, that's, it seems, it's interesting. Yeah, it seems, it seems. So I haven't used enough, this so, yet. I yeah. am not a customer. I am merely okay. a very curious observer of Swimply. Observer. Okay, mm-hmm. I gotcha. Well, my recommendation is completely not related in any way. Uh, it is the Air Things Corinthium, Corinthium something home radar detector. So this was actually a device that was recommended to me by Sanjay. So I'll give him credit for this one. And uh, it's a digital home radon detector. And the reason I got that, I work mm-hmm. in a basement and um, I, my, my house is kind of located in an area that's relatively known for having radon. And so I was concerned about my health working in the basement, you know, because radon tends to be more concentrated in basements. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, uh, actually, the air quality is great down here as it relates to radon. So I'm very happy about that. But uh, it it, it just, you turn it on, you leave it for several days, and it tells you what the average is uh, for for the seven-day period and what the current average is. So it's kind of great. And if you work in any kind of basement space or really any kind of space and you want to make sure that you're healthy... Um, I think it's probably worth picking up. So, uh, so check it out. So uh, with that in mind, Clara, how can our guests find? Yeah, exactly. Safety and tech. So how can our guests uh, find and connect with you? Um, I have a podcast called thoughts from your gal pal. Um, It is a candy heart. You'll see it in Spotify, Apple, Google podcasts. And I have an episode out this past Friday about office culture norms. Check it out. Um, Adam, where can people find you? Go to my website, adamjwalker.com. <laughs> Sign up for my newsletter. I just released one today. Uh, find me on YouTube because I'm there. But go to adamjwalker.com. That's easier. Just start there. That's the, that's the place. Dun, dun, dun.